Last week we had the story of the woman at the well. We talked about the question of thirst. And it was clear that there were different levels of thirst going on. There was a physical thirst for actual water. But then through that, Jesus was unveiling and, and kind of drawing to the surface this deeper thirst, this woman's desire, her desire for love and communion and connection, which Jesus desired to bring to her. So too in our readings today, uh, we're talking about sight, but we're talking about sight and seeing on different levels. Right? Clearly there's a blind man in the gospel, uh, but we're not just talking about being able to, yeah, whether our eyes work or not, but it's, it's seeing as God sees, or even allowing him to change the way we see. It's kind of a weird idea, frankly. And it's something that I don't know, yeah, how open we are to it or eager we are for it. We want God to help us. We want God to make us strong. We want him to heal us. We want a lot of things. But, yeah, I don't know how often we're like, God, teach me how to see. A lot of us are kind of like, yeah, no, I think I, I got that one, right? I know how to see. I know how things work. But the, the truth is, frankly, you don't. And I don't. The season is called the season of repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which literally means to allow your mind to be changed. It means this season is a season in which God wants to change the way you and I think, even the way we see reality. Part of sin is a darkness that comes upon us, and we can't see reality well. We don't see what's important and what's not important. We don't see the things of God and the path of God. Like Things become dark and murky. The most dangerous thing, in some ways, is to think that we see it all clearly. Because when we see it all clearly, we also become the judge of everything and everyone because we know how it works, yeah? First reading is about the anointing of King David. So God is choosing a king for Israel. This is a big deal. Samuel is the prophet. Samuel is sent to Jesse of Bethlehem. Just a little town of Bethlehem, maybe you've heard of it. Um... He shows up, and Jesse's asked to bring all of his sons. So he brings all of his sons, or at least he feels like anybody that matters, everybody's there. Samuel sees the first son, and he's like, this has got to be him. This has got to be the king. Like, I just know it. I feel it in my gut. And listen, this isn't just nobody. This is Samuel, the prophet of Almighty God, called as a boy who has done great things. He says, this has got to be him. And God speaks to Samuel, his prophet, He says, don't judge from his appearance or from his lofty lofty stature, because I've I've rejected him. Not as man sees, does God see. Because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. I'm going to pause right here. Right here is why you need to stop judging people, and why I need to stop judging people. Amen? Because you don't know nothing. (laughs) When you really, really know somebody, and you know their heart, and you know what they've been through, there's like a softness and a kindness towards them, yeah? Like when you know somebody better, you judge them less. God knows you through and through. Like he knows you top to bottom. He knows everything about you. He knows your whole story. And when God judges you, his judgment often sounds something like this. You are my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So let's let God do the judging, yeah? Um, We also want to let God judge us. Even as I say that, I think sometimes something shrinks away, like I don't want God to judge me. What if his judgment is kinder than yours? Because I I assure you it is. Because when God judges you, he sees your heart and he knows you. 
and his knowledge of you lends him great mercy and kindness towards you. God wants us to change the way we see each other, to really see each other truly, to see the goodness of one another. He also wants to change the way that you see you. Because you don't always see yourself as so kind. Most of you are your own worst critic, yeah? Yeah. And it's not because you, you really know yourself and nobody else does. No. No, that's not how that works. And we can't truly know ourselves. Like We need another. We need love to show us who we are. God wants to judge you. But I promise you, he judges you as good. Not all your actions, your behaviors, not everything I do is good, certainly. But when he judges you, he judges you as good. So in that way, we want to have this humility towards the way we see things. Like, God, okay, show me how you see things, because I don't know if I see them the same. One penance that I like to give in the confessional is 80 rosaries. No, I like to tell people to ask God to show them how he sees them. I, if you don't even have to go to confession. You can use that one on your own. Like, God, show me how you see me. Because uh, I promise it's better than the way you see yourself. Okay, so we're talking about sight. We're talking about vision. We're talking about asking God to change the way we see um, and we have this gospel reading. It's a great gospel reading. It's kind of weird. It's just fascinating, right? All, uh, from top to bottom, it's just weird. Um, there was this idea at the time that if someone had an affliction, then someone sinned. Like, this is a consequence. Someone sinned, and now God has afflicted this person. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how this works. It's also beautiful. Like, nobody asked Jesus to heal this guy. This is just what Jesus does. It's spontaneous. Remember, how did he heal him? It's kind of a strange thing, but it has something to do with God's word, his breath, his mouth coming very close to this man to teach him how to see. It says he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva, and he smeared it on this man's eyes and sends him to go wash. Okay, this action of Jesus causes a bunch of trouble, right? Because later on they, they show up to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees have a problem with what happened. It's kind of strange. What's their problem? It's that Jesus worked because it's the Sabbath. Now, God commands you to not work on the Sabbath. That commandment still stands. There's not nine commandments now with Jesus and we got rid of one. No, God commands you not to work on Sunday, okay? Just, just to reiterate that, okay? If you have to do a bunch of work on Sunday because you couldn't get it done during the rest of the week, the problem is the rest of the week. Some of us need to rearrange some things. Now, I will say, some of you have necessary work you have to do on Sunday. There's healthcare workers among us. You can't just throw a bunch of extra medicine down the halls of the hospital and be like, okay, see you Monday, do your best, right? No, some of you have to. I get that. But no, we're called to rest. But the Pharisees have taken this to an extreme, to this fearful stats, stats, um, stance towards God. God wants Sunday to be a day where we can just spend time with him and receive his love and his care. But they've kind of lost sight of the Sabbath being a kindness of God, and they're just afraid of punishment. See, they don't see God well, and so they don't, they don't see the commandment of the Sabbath well. So they think Jesus must have broken the Sabbath because he worked. How did he work? Because he healed and because he made clay. He's a worker on the Sabbath, so he must be bad. It's fascinating. Like, they're so stuck in their way of seeing things that they can't see just the beauty and the goodness of what's happening. This man was blind, and now he can see. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But Jesus worked, so he's got to be a bad, a bad man. Like, they're so arrogant and prideful. And they remind me a little of myself sometimes, right? Because I know how things work, and I am right. How many of you belong to a political party? Don't raise your hand, right? 
How many of you are absolutely certain that that party is right on every topic? If you are, God save you. <laughs> right? I mean, you could belong to a political party. For, uh, that, that might be helpful. But any idea that, like, this is the thing on every topic in every way, it's like, wake up. Okay? Who, who made you omnipotent and omniscient and able to know all things? And then what happened to them? That's why you hate them, because you're like, how can they be so stupid? Because <laughs> I know everything, and they disagree with me. <laughs> okay. You're not God. I'm not God. We don't always see things straight. Amen? God, give us humility. This openness of like, I might be wrong. It's pretty weird where I'm wrong in a bunch of stuff, but all of a sudden there's one thing that I can't be wrong about? That's, that's strange. Yeah, maybe we're wrong about things. Maybe we could be corrected. Maybe we can learn. Wouldn't that be nice? And then we wouldn't hate each other as much. <laughs> okay, moving on. Just alienated a bunch of people. This man is healed. And now he's going through this like journey. So he's, he's given vision, so that's awesome. But he's going to be given an even deeper form of seeing. It's, it's coming towards him. And that seeing is coming to know who Jesus is. At first, he doesn't know this man. He knows his name, uh, but that's all he knows. So when they first ask him, like, hey, how did you come to see? And they said, the man, he says, the man, Jesus, did this and this and this. And I watched, and now I can see. So he calls him the man, Jesus. Then they bring him to the Pharisees, because they're the experts in God. So they're like, God must be doing something, so the Pharisees are going to want to know about it. Pharisees, uh, again, they're kind of stuck in the way that they see things. So the Pharisees bring him in, and they say, hey, how'd this guy make you able to see? And he tells them what he did, and he's like, well, then this guy can't be God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. And he's like, what do you, what do you think about him, blind man? Like, what do you think about him? And he says, he is what? A prophet. So he goes from being the man Jesus, and now... He is a prophet. And then they don't believe that he was blind. They bring in his parents, and his parents are afraid. Why? Because they're afraid of being thrown out of the synagogue. So what's interesting here is their fear and their attachment to the synagogue prevents them from being truly honest and from allowing what's happening to really take root in them. It says, they said, um, they said this about the way that, like, we don't know what happened, we don't know who did it, because they were afraid of the Jews. So their fear leads them to not giving testimony, to not really speaking the fullness of the truth. They're afraid. This man, born blind, is getting less and less afraid. It's kind of beautiful how this confidence starts building in him because there's something about Jesus and what he's doing that he's starting to say, like, I want him, and I want what he has. And he's starting to see the Pharisees and the way they're kind of petty and scrabbling and arguing, and he's like, gosh, I don't, I don't want any of this. Like, it's just becoming less and less attractive to him. So his parents get questioned, and they're like, ah, we're done with you, and they bring the blind man back, and they're like, we know this man's a sinner. And, if, and uh, so give God the praise, which is interesting because he's trying to give God the praise because Jesus is God. But again, the Pharisees can't see that something new is happening. And then he has this just great line, and it's so simple. Like, this, this man born blind sees everything so clearly. He's like, if he's a sinner, I don't know. There's one thing I know. I was blind, and now I can see. So he's changed my life. So that's it. That's it for me now. And then they ask him again. They say, what did he do to you? How did he, how did he open your eyes? He's like, he's told him three times already. And this man's just done with them. He's like, I already told you. And you didn't listen. Do you, why do you want to hear it again? He's like, do you want to be his disciples too? He's mocking them. Like he's, he's getting under their skin. But he also says what? Do you want to be his disciples too? 
who's his disciple now? This man is. He's like, yeah, I'm his disciple. Like, I want to follow this guy. Do you want to be his disciples too? <laughs> and their response is very funny. Now, with hindsight, they say, we are disciples of Moses, <laughs> which Moses was a big deal back in the day. But guess who's a bigger deal than Moses? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> like, we're not disciples of Jesus. We're disciples of Moses. That's kind of embarrassing now. Um, and then this guy, again, he's like, this is just crazy. This is what, you, you guys are amazing in your blindness. Because I was blind, and now I can see. And that doesn't happen apart from God, and you guys can't see that. And then they, they're just done. Because why? He's teaching them. And then they're arrogant and pride. They don't want to be taught by nobody. Again, I can relate, yeah? Like, how dare you teach me? I'm a priest. I had to go to school forever. One time one little kid asked me what grade I was in, and I said, 23rd grade, because <laughs> that's how long I'd been in school. It was terrible. How dare you question me? I'm a priest, right? Like, in our, sometimes we're just not open to learn from humble people, from humble sources. We're like, I know best. How much have you learned from kids? How often can a kid teach you something profound and true about life, yeah? Okay, so we want to be open. God save us, give us humility. And they throw him out of the synagogue. Thank God. That place was miserable. And so he's in this poor place. He was blind. He can see now. He's just been thrown out of the synagogue. And what happens? Jesus comes for him. He's always coming for you. He's not going to leave him standing, especially when he stood up for him. Jesus comes. This man goes from saying, yeah, this, this man Jesus, to Jesus, I think he's a prophet, to I'm his disciple, and he must be from God. And then Jesus comes and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Son of Man is a title for the Messiah. He says, who is he, sir? Then I may believe in him. I think in that moment, he already knows. He's like, yeah, I want, I want, I want you to be him. I really hope you're him. Jesus, who's always talking weird and kind of confusing, but mysteriously and playfully, he says, oh, you've seen him, which is fun to say, because he just started seeing stuff. He's like, oh, you've seen him. All right, and just recently, you, just, you saw him just a second ago. And the one speaking with you is he. It's his way of saying, like, it's me, I'm, I'm here. The blind man says, I do believe, Lord. And he worshipped him. What does it mean to worship? That means to see God as, as beautiful and good, to praise him, and to give our lives to him. When we truly see clearly, it leads us to worship. Even when we see the world clearly, we see each other clearly, it leads us to worship. We turn from self-worship, from pride, self-reliance, and ego, to, to laying down our lives in gratitude and awe to God. So do you and I see clearly? Well, one good question is, do you just want to worship? And if you and I just don't want to worship all the time yet, then we're not seeing clearly yet. We need to be shown how to see. That's okay. We don't have to beat ourselves up. That's okay. We just want to be humble to allow God to show us how to see. There's this little spat with the Pharisees at the end. We're not going to worry about that. Okay, we need to be shown how to see. Honestly, in my life, some of the most relieving moments of my entire life were when I came to just see something clearly. It was just this moment of like, oh, yeah. Oftentimes, it's really relieving when God finally shows me and I can finally see I'm not alone. Or, I don't have to do it all on my own. Or, I don't have to figure it all out. Those moments are incredibly relieving, and they lead me to want to worship God. 
So there's areas in your life in which you can't see. We're just kind of blind, and we don't even know it sometimes. That's okay. But let's ask him, like, Jesus, give me sight. Teach me to see as you see in my family, in my work, in my struggles, in, in specific situations. Like, show me how you see, but also show, you, show me how you see me. Because, again, he just sees you as the best. He just loves you to pieces. So I'd like to spend a little time asking him to, to give you sight, to show you how to see. And that can be about anything. But let's ask him, Jesus, please, open my eyes. Show me how to see. Even if it's really surprising, something I don't expect, even if it transforms the way I have to live, Jesus, I want to see. I want to see the way that you do.